Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. Dangerous situation out of Cincinnati, Ohio. We just heard about it in the news. It's a brand new report that's just been coming out a little more detail this morning. The FBI said an armed person tried to breach the visitor screening facility at the FBI location in Cincinnati on Thursday. The suspect was wearing body armor. Uh, They followed him. He was driving a white uh, Ford Crown Victoria. They followed him all the way to another county. There was a standoff. There was a shootout. There's now a barricade situation. Both north and southbound lanes of the 71 are closed, and uh, they are telling people in the area to to shelter in place. Um, So... Is this in response to what happened in Mar-a-Lago? We don't know. Even and if it is, it's horrible. the 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 bad behavior of people should not be tolerated anywhere. Um, this is um, this is where we are in our society now, where this kind of fringe behavior is is being accepted by people that agree with an ideology uh, and then criticized when it's someone else. And I, I want to give you a couple of examples because we don't know who this is. We have no idea if this has any connection, but it's so closely timed with what's going on. We had the FBI director, Ray commenting in yesterday talking about threats against law enforcement, which I never condone. I had just been talking about law enforcement recently and how despicable um, behavior toward law enforcement has become. When you have uh, people that are taking up arms and there is this there is a segment of our society um, that feels as if it's their patriotic duty um, and I, I don't see it that way. Uh, violence is a last resort for anything. We are not anywhere near a time where, and and there's, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but you can't break the law. We are a law-abiding society. We always have been, and or we've always we always strive to be. So, go with that narrative for a moment. If this had something to do with what happened at Mar-a-Lago. It needs to be people that are supporters of the president and think that the FBI did the wrong thing to stand up and say it's an unacceptable way to behave and handle the situation. Just like when I complained, and this is the compare and contrast, when I talked about the violence at Black Lives Matter marches and protests, um, I didn't agree with them in principle and what they were fighting for, but I agreed with their right to march and protest. And I also made a huge distinction between the people that wanted their voices heard and people that were in their midst that were committing acts of violence. Because, you know, it, it, and it doesn't have to be anything political. When you uh, – so this is such a strange analogy, but when the Diamondbacks back in 01 won the World Series – or I'm sorry, was it, it – was, yeah, it was 01 when they won the World Series. Um, I did not go to Game 7. But a bunch of my friends, we jumped in a car and we drove downtown to be a part of the celebration. And like every major city, when something like that happens, when there's a major event like that, the police are out in force to keep the peace. And there were cops, Phoenix cops, wearing uh, riot gear. They had the helmets on and every, face shields and the bulletproof vests and the whole the whole deal. Um, and it was such a weird time because even Yankee fans were congratulating 
the uh, Diamondback fans on the win. And this was in the wake of 9-11. And, and there was still, a, you know, there was that sense of unity in the country because it was us against the world at the time. But um, it was odd to see the Phoenix Police Department high-fiving fans. There, that's what I mean. There was no violence. It was nothing but joy. And, but there was a concern that there would be violence. And there were high-fives in the crowd. Conversely, and this is not a knock against the city I'm going to use as an example, but it's one I remember. Um, back when the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup one year, um, in the paper the next day, there was violence in the streets and people were burning cars and turning cars over. And it was supposed to have been a celebration, you know, a, a victory because I think they won it at home. Um, and I thought to myself then, who would celebrate a victory by burning a car or committing vandalism? And the answer is no one. That there are people that just have a mob mentality. That when you're in a situation like that, they'll take advantage of that situation just to be violent. There is no one in their right mind at a BLM protest, at a Black Lives Matter march, that thinks we're going to get our point across to the country about police brutality, about police being heavy-handed with the black community and having different sets of rules. There's no way that we're going to get the, the, the world, the country to empathize with us if we're breaking windows of stores, looting stores, burning cars. That, that's not the message we want to send. And that's whatever – that's just human nature. So we have to then realize that people that are in their midst, people that came out to take advantage of the situation, to be violent, they did it, and you were just the vehicle in which they did it. They aren't, uh, they aren't down for your cause. They aren't trying to help you. These are just angry people that are always looking for an excuse to be angry and violent. And so – I don't know what the cause of this is, but we all should feel a sense of at some point we're going to fight. Um, and I don't mean in a physical way. There are there's a great number of Americans that believe that the FBI overstepped, maybe not in trying to get documents, but overstepped in the way that they did things, that what they did was they were pushed to optics so that they were so that things looked like. Um, uh, they were pushed to optics so it looked worse than it really is. And I'm hearing that from people in law enforcement. That's what my friends – that's not my opinion. This is the opinion of people that have done this before. And there are other people that believe that Donald Trump was an egregious president, that he had broken so many rules and so many laws all along that this – that the FBI was kind of forced into having to handle it this way, that they tried to handle it a different way, and it wasn't handled the other way. So finally, they took matters into their own hands, and they did what they did. And sooner or later, those two arguments are going to be made in the court of public opinion. And well, you know, the bigger – when you get more evidence, this will play out to which one of those two is true. But what neither side should ever do is make excuses for someone that has violent behavior, that when somebody acts out violently, we can't excuse it. Trying to kill law enforcement by wearing body armor, having guns and trying to break in and breach security at the FBI building, every one of us should say it's not the way to handle it. That's a horrible thing to do. And I hope that's going to be the reaction to people from everyone. And again, I want to be very clear. There is – we do not know why this guy did this. It could have nothing to do with Marlago.
but it could. And it shouldn't matter. Some guy tried to kill FBI agents, and this has happened before. I believe it was in the Washington field office. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was Baltimore. But it was. It happened. And we should never condone it. We should never excuse it. We should never do any of those things. And I hope it gets resolved quickly. We're going to shift back to the economy. As I've been saying for a very long time, we have not, we do not have the uh, Inflation Reduction Act signed yet, but our government is still collecting record revenue into the United States Treasury without the tax increase. So why are they increasing taxes? We'll talk more about that coming up in just a few moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with us. The economy is what is still the biggest issue for most Americans here. And uh, the conversation now starts as inflation numbers are better than they have been in the past, which means they're not climbing. And the White House is taking a victory lap saying that inflation is over, where there are others that when you dig into it, it isn't over. This is where the politics versus uh, reality. Um, and I don't blame them. I really don't. I'm, I'm, I'm watching people on social media take a victory lap. And I guess, you know, when you're looking for a bright spot, when the guy you voted for has been beaten down over months and months and months and months, and he's become immensely unpopular, um, you've got Hispanic voters fleeing, you've got independent voters fleeing, you've got young voters fleeing. Nobody wants anything to do with this president at all. They think he has done a horrible job. When you get some positive news from your side, you're going to take a victory lap. I'm not saying they're right. I don't agree with them at all, but I understand wanting a little bit of good news. But when you start taking a victory lap because inflation isn't climbing as fast as it was before, when food prices continue to get higher and higher, there's there's no doubt. As a matter of fact, when it comes to the economy, there are people that were talking about uh, inflation. Uh, Martha McCallum was talking with Sperling on this issue um, and and wants to know about rising prices. So this is Gene Sperling, White House Senior Advisor, on with Martha McCallum talking about inflation. And then particularly you saw food prices are still too high. But, um, you know, we are seeing some real, some great signs, some significant signs of moderation. Obviously, the fact that we had a month with zero inflation is just one month, but it's a good sign. We see gas prices are down a dollar. You saw air prices down 7.8 percent. You saw rental, car rental down nine and a half percent. You saw appliances down 2.2 percent. So it's not just signs. You're actually seeing some positive moves down. Okay, so food continues to get more expensive, but car rentals are down. How is that helping the average American family? And that's what families are talking about. And when they say net zero, they're saying that there were prices that dropped in some areas, but they acknowledge that they're still climbing in other important areas. So this is the part where I say to you that people, there is a mixed bag and people are looking at this and saying, I don't care what you call it, recession, um, depression, you call it what you want. Families are not making ends meet. And so we are going to have this political battle. It's an election year. The midterm elections are less than 90 days away. We are going to have this battle as we move forward, and it's a necessary one. 
so but when people take a victory lap about this and saying, well, you know, it's still bad, but it's not as bad as it was. And let's say for when they say gas prices are down, gas prices are down from a record high. They are still, what, two dollars more a gallon than it was just a couple of years ago. You got to remember two years ago, two and a half years ago for a four year period. Gas was always under $3 a gallon, under $3 per gallon. We're happy now that it's under five or under four. So the reality of the American people is most people don't care. Um, And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's politics or if it's just life in general. Um, When you and I, I'm a football fan. I'm a big football fan. I like college football a lot. And it's funny because I'm a homer for all of the Arizona teams. I have become an Arizona homer for so many of these teams. But I'm always going to be a Miami Hurricanes fan. Have been my whole life, always will be. And I can, I am so thrilled when we win, and I am so sad when we lose. And then it's funny, you meet, unless you're with a group of people that are just like you, nobody knows and nobody cares. The vast majority of people do not care about politics. I know it's hard for people that are invested in it to believe that, but most people don't know and don't care. There are, I would say to you, I don't know if it's most, but there is a significant number of people that have no idea, couldn't name the two senators from Arizona, couldn't name their representative in Congress, certainly couldn't name their representatives in the state legislature or their senator in the state legislature. They just don't care. They have opinions. They have an opinion about politics and about life, but they don't care about politics. Um, this last little thing, uh, and, and I, I was sarcastic about it before, if inflation is going down now and it's almost gone, why do we need this immense Inflation Reduction Act, especially in light of this? The United States Treasury set another record through the month of July for taxes collected. The United States Treasury is collecting more money from the American taxpayer than it ever, ever has. And you've got a segment of our society applauding the taxation of the wealthy in our country. It is it is remarkable to me that you don't look at your government for the wasteful spending that they do, but you look to the private sector and you criticize somebody that's been immensely successful to the point that you want people that mismanage your tax dollars to have even more of it. It's very odd to me. It is very strange to me. One of the other topics that we have covered this morning is what's going on with immigration and uh, to let the cat out of the bag. And we'll talk about this on the other side. uh, The complaints from the the mayors of Washington, D.C. and of New York saying that people are being tricked and forced onto buses and then bus to their cities. Somebody went to them and asked the question, is that true? Have you been tricked? Their answers were no. They asked us if we wanted to go, and we wanted to go. So we'll talk about what's happening at the border and the new issues at the border next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app.
All right, we know the border issues at our southern border are ones that are not even close to being resolved. Mark Kelly, the senator from Arizona, went to the border and is uh, part of he is taking credit for, and I'm not saying he shouldn't, is taking credit for filling in gaps in the border wall or building more of the border wall. A promise from the president of the United States that not one more foot of wall will be built. So is uh, is Senator Kelly, as a part of his reelection bid, just doing this because he knows the majority of people in Arizona want this done? There are a lot of people that feel that way. And there are others that are saying that he's just doing his job. And I will say it just needs to be done. I I have my own political opinions about things, about where people stand. I don't think anybody in the government should be taking any kind of a victory lap about anything that has to do with the border because let's say that there is going to be some gaps filled in on the border. It's not going to be fixed. There is a disaster at our southern border. So the the people of Arizona – um, and uh, the people of Texas are at uh, at least having a political war right now with the people of New York, the mayors of New York and Washington, D.C. Um, and the reason is we are shipping people that are volunteering to go to those two places, those two cities. We are uh, putting them on buses and we are driving them there for free. Um, the Daily Caller News Foundation spoke with people that, with illegal immigrants who arrived in Washington, D.C. on Friday on a bus from Arizona that Governor Ducey sent in. As they were waiting for the bus to leave Union Station in New York early Tuesday morning, here's a couple of quotes. They helped me and they collaborated so that I could get from uh, from all the way to Washington. They took me to a shelter in which they treated me very well. They offered me the ticket from here to New York. This is somebody from Venezuela. His wife was traveling with him and their three children also said the travel option was voluntary. There was another person they spoke to. They said, no, they offered it to us. They offered it to us for free to help those of us who don't have money. There are people who cross and they don't have the money and they pay for their they do have the money and they pay for their flight. But then the bus is voluntary. If you want, what they do is they forward us all the way to Washington. And from here, we look for organizations that help us so we can get to our destination, because at least for us, that foundation gave us the ticket. So the the gaslighting and the nonsense coming from the mayor of New York about the the inhumane treatment is actually almost laughable if it wasn't so ignorant. Um, I want you to hear him. This is Mayor Adams. I played this yesterday. This is Mayor Adams complaining about the inhumane treatment on buses. America, there's a reason the Statue of Liberty is there. And all of us, uh, we all came from somewhere. Uh, And for him to have people who just went through a devastating moment, crossing the border, coming to this land of the free, home of the brave, and then place them on buses, even if they wanted to go to a different location, force them on a bus and ship them to New York uh, to a 45-hour drive, a few stops, uh, under these inhumane conditions uh, I don't think he's accomplishing anything more than exposing uh, the type of individual that he is and so there's nothing, there's nothing successful about treating people with this lack of dignity there are planes and buses that are arriving all over the country every single day that are chartered by the federal government now, what is the difference? There is none. 
The other part of this is he starts off talking about people that have had this horrible journey. And it is as if he is lumping together everybody that's come to this country legally with people that have come to it illegally. I don't wish people ill. I don't want to see people die in the desert. I certainly don't think that women should be worried about being sexually assaulted because they're coming into this country illegally. I think that's horrible behavior. I don't wish it on them at all. I'm not condoning what's happening to those people. But there is a significant difference between coming to this country legally and going through the process of citizenship and becoming one of us or even just coming here legally as a worker with a visa and people that are coming across the border illegally that do not have legitimate claims of asylum that are coming here even for a better life. You can't do it the wrong way and have an expectation that you're going to get the same treatment as everybody else. I'll give you two examples uh, and an oversimplified examples. One is that if they catch people sneaking into Disneyland and they let them in when you paid for your ticket, why would you pay for your ticket? Why would you stand in line, pay for your ticket to go into the park When someone jumps the fence and goes into the park with their kids, they're allowed on the same rides you are without paying the price. What was dangerous, what they did, and they really wanted to come in the park. And the other oversimplified example is once you're inside the park and you are waiting in line the right way to get onto a ride and you see a family that just jumps to the front of the line and you and everybody else in line says, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're waiting for that ride. We are waiting our turn like we're supposed to. And those people just jumped in front of everybody else. And the park staff says, you know, you're right. But they're already up there and they really, really wanted to ride on this ride. And their children are really excited about the ride. So we're going to let them ride the ride. Wouldn't you in line say, wait a minute, my kids are pretty excited too. And we're doing it the right way. They aren't. We should tell them you have to do it the right way. I understand it's oversimplified, but it does paint the picture, doesn't it? We got, we have to stop lumping legal and illegal immigration together because it's not the same. It is not the same. And when Eric Adams then laments the horrible treatment on air-conditioned buses with infrequent stops to drive to New York. He's grasping at straws when you compare this to the way people are treated on the journey north when it comes to the human trafficking element and the sexual assault element and the forced into drug dealing and the dangerous crossings and the heat and the deaths, all of that. You mean to tell me that those people that died in the back of the truck is more humane than people that are being put on buses? By the way, the same kind of buses the federal government is putting people on. This is – he makes absurd statements. They're either ignorant or he thinks people are dumb enough to believe them, one or the other. And it needs to be fixed. We're going to talk in a moment. I mentioned this earlier. We're going to, I want to reset this. I've talked a little bit about this, the mass exodus of police officers in our society um, and the reasons why they're doing it. Why are businesses fleeing some crime-ridden cities? We'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment.
strong values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, programming note, I'm sure you just found this out, but we are expecting Merrick Garland is going to speak at 1130, is expected to speak the Attorney General. We are assuming that it's going to be about the, the raid at the, at the Mar- Mar-a-Lago home of President Trump. We are going to carry that live. That will be at 1130. So here's your reminder. Download the KTAR News app to your phone, your, your devices. You will be notified as soon as these things take place, and you can listen live from that device. It's a great way to consume the news. Cracker Barrel, latest Portland casualty for stores shuttering amid crime wave. Um, There is a crime wave that continues to happen in this country, and there's a number of reasons why. Uh, We have to be very careful, and I think it is is, – it is our job because we are about to vote in elections that when it comes to who we choose, we elect our sheriff, we elect the county attorney. Um, these are elected positions. There are others that are appointed by people that we elect. And it has to be a symbiotic relationship. There has to be a hand-in-glove relationship between law enforcement. I know I'm going to sound like the beginning of uh, of Law and Order on, on A&E, but it's, it, is, it is about the detectives that investigate the cases, and it is about the prosecutors who prosecute those cases. They have to work hand-in-glove, um, and they have to rely on each other. They have to know that each other is out there doing the best job possible. You can have the best cops in the world. You can have a world-class police agency that is out there investigating and making cases and presenting them to the the prosecutor's offices, whether it's a city attorney or a county attorney or a state attorney, you know, whoever it is that's prosecuting those crimes. If the prosecutors aren't up to the job, the system falls apart. And in cases where the prosecuting, the head of the office, and in Maricopa County, we call it the county attorney. Other places call them district attorneys. But if you have somebody in place whose policies are more lenient, you know, we are seeing – and I'm not, I'm not taking digs at anybody specifically other than to point out, look what's happening in L.A. County with um, George Gascon. The headline, George Gascon is ripped after a cop killing by a repeat offender and uh, a repeat offender suspect. Former Los Angeles Deputy District Attorney Kathy Cady was talking, discussed the impact of George Gascon's policies following the killing of an officer. Um, he shouldn't have been out there at the time that he shot this cop. He should have been in custody, and it would appear that the reason he's out is directly related to the, the, the Gascon policies. Um I am I am certainly not I never have been nor will I ever be someone that believes in uh, malice that I don't I am not someone that is hang them in the town square let's do it on pay-per-view I don't have and I, maybe if I were the victim of a violent crime or especially if somebody I loved was I may change my mind in that specific instance which is why we have a justice system that's supposed to treat everybody fairly but when you're a police officer especially if you're a police officer in a city like Phoenix Arizona that is dramatically understaffed and you are working your tail off to make cases if you you don't have a relationship with the prosecutor's office that is going to as vigorously prosecute those cases. The other part of it, I want to, I would love to be able to shed light on. If I and I'm going to try to get more information, is 
When you have an understaffed police department, it makes big news. And by the way, the fire department in Phoenix is in the exact same boat. And we're going to be I want to talk to somebody from Phoenix Fire as well. You talk about response times changing and rising. You call 911 years ago, years ago, my mother-in-law, who has passed away since um, when I was married, uh, my mother-in-law had a stroke in my house. It was one of the scariest waits for the police, for the fire department to get there. And they were right up the street. We lived, I think, a mile from the fire department. Response times by all first responders matters. And in cities that we live in, as much as we pay in taxes and the lifestyle we've come accustomed to, we need is response times that are lower than they are. And we're going to talk to fire about this as well in the coming days, but specifically about the police. When they are dramatically understaffed, you know about it. We've talked about it. But we also should be focusing on staffing the prosecutor's office so that the people that run the leadership teams, whether it's the county attorney or it is the people that work in that office that make the decisions on cases, are not strapped making decisions about prosecutions on cases they know they want to prosecute, but they don't have the people to do it. That shouldn't be a decision they have to make either. And that relationship matters in a society now that seems to be, I don't know that it is or it is not, but seems to be coming less and less civil to each other. We are, we are leaning more and more on a justice system that we want to take care of us, that we want – what I mean by take care of us is protect us, that we don't have to take the law into our own hands. We don't have to depend on street justice in order to get justice, that justice is served in the right way. And when it isn't, it's when – that's when people look for street justice. I don't want it any more than you do. I am as prepared as I think I can be to protect myself if I if it's necessary. But I want the police to handle it. I want the police to handle it, and then I want them to make a case, and I want a prosecutor to say to those people, that's not how you behave in our society. It won't be tolerated. When you commit a criminal act against someone who handles it the right way, you're going to pay a steep price. And that's what we all should be fighting for when we talk to our elected officials that appoint people or we talk with our the people we elect into positions of authority. All right. Coming up just after 11 o'clock, we are going to talk about the economy and we also are going to be hearing from the attorney general's office. Stick around.